Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, Paul Shapiro. Paul, you are the CEO of The Better Meat Company. You're found on the web at bettermeat.co. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Josh, great to be with you, my man. Thanks so much. Well, you're in a hot space, a hot industry, uh, and I'll let you go ahead and explain what uh, what you do, what you provide. Sure. Well, I live in Sacramento, which is literally a hot space. Uh, but in addition <laughs> to uh, being hot outside, yeah, what we do in the animal-free protein sector is a very white hot space, primarily because um, you know the success of companies like Beyond Meat. You know, Beyond Meat had the biggest IPO of the last twenty years, and it attracted a lot of investor interest in the space. And you know, it's not just Beyond Meat. And the issue really is, Josh, that the planet is not getting any bigger. Humanity's footprint on the planet is getting a lot bigger, but the planet is not getting any bigger. And one of the primary ways that we leave that footprint is through our food print, primarily in the amount of meat that we eat. It just takes a lot of land, a lot of water, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions to create all of these animals and then to slaughter them. And so. Uh, the problem is that even knowing about how resource inefficient it is to raise and slaughter animals for food, meat, con- meat consumption just continues to rise. In China and in India and in Brazil, people are eating more meat today than they did yesterday, and that's posing a lot of stressors on the planet. So what can we do? Well, you know, we can ask people to eat less meat and enjoy things like bean and rice burritos and lentil soup and hummus, which are awesome foods. I wish more people would eat them. Mm-hmm. But I really think that just in the same way that, you know, people want you know, light and they want air conditioning and, and they want planes and cars. And so you need to provide that with renewable energy. You need to find ways to provide the ways to, when you flip a light switch, you know, get light that comes from renewable rather than from fossil fuels. Well, when people want to satisfy their meat tooth, so to speak, we need to be able to provide a way to let them do that, that mimics the meat experience without causing so much harm. So that's what we in the alternative protein space are doing, including at the Better Meat Co., is creating a meat experience without the need to actually raise and slaughter animals for food. There's lots of ways to do it. We at The Better Meat Co. do it through microbial fermentation. I'm eager to talk about that. But in a nutshell, we're trying to create meat without animals here. Yeah. So uh, you, you can go, let's go down the rabbit hole just a little bit to kind of explain exactly uh, where you fit in the ingredient list. Sure. So if you think about what's generally called plant-based meat today, uh, nearly all of it is made from one of three crops, soy, wheat, Mm -hmm. or pea. So soy, wheat, and pea are dominant in this space. What we are doing as an ingredients provider in this space is offering something that actually is not made of plants at all. It's made of fungi. And so fungi are a different kingdom than plants. Many times people just think of them like plants, but they're a different kingdom. In fact, they are way closer to animals than they are to plants. So fungi, for example, just sort of like, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever, <laughs> just, you know. You know, sadly, we weren't taught a lot about fungi in school. So I'll give you the briefest of brief uh, lessons here. So 
you know, animals breathe in oxygen, generally speaking, breathe out CO2. We know plants do the opposite, but fungi are so much closer to animals that they also breathe in oxygen and breathe out CO2. Uh, plants put themselves out in the sun and photosynthesize. Well, fungi don't do that. They don't photosynthesize. They have to go out, search for the food and digest it and eat it just like animals do. So this is why mushrooms have a much more meat-like texture than do plants. In fact, in Asian cuisine, mushrooms have been used as a meat substitute for centuries. And so Rather than going to the plant kingdom to try to mimic the animal meat experience, what we are doing is going to the fungi kingdom, but we're not using mushrooms. So the interesting thing about what we're doing is, you know, the mushroom is the fruiting body of the fungi. It's like the apple on the tree, but there's an entire tree and roots and all that in the fungi world that's called mycelium. And so mycelium are like the root-like structure underneath that mushroom. And so what we're doing is through a fermentation process, growing the mycelium, sometimes known as the mycoprotein of this fungi. So what we do is we essentially take potatoes, feed them to microscopic fungi who eat it and convert it into something that looks and tastes like meat. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, Josh, that a cow eats grass and converts it into a steak, our little microscopic fungi consume potatoes and convert it into a high protein succulent alternative meat product, except unlike a cow, which takes over a year before you slaughter her, you're feeding her for a year before you slaughter her more, um, our little fungi do this in less than a day. So we inoculate our fermenter and less than a day later, we have a river of alternative meat coming out and it really looks and tastes like meat. We make steaks, chicken nuggets, fish sticks, crab cakes, and more, and they taste great. And they are high in protein, high in iron, no cholesterol, and a really delicious food. So you're working with food manufacturers then, or re retail products, and then you're the, you know, kind of this... Um, in a percentage of that total product then doesn't have to be now are are you blending with meat based products or are they are you enhancing the uh soy wheat etc uh, so we can do both so you're right we are an ingredients vendor so we're kind of like intel inside when you eat that alternative meat product, uh, hopefully it'll have better meat co-ingredients in there, powering it to make it the best experience that you can have so that you get that meat-like experience without the need for the animal. So we sell both to alternative meat companies that are making fully animal-free meats, and we sell to meat companies that blend us in to their meat so they can use fewer animals and more of this sustainable uh -huh. protein that we are brewing up here in Sacramento. Right. Well, think about, I mean, it, it, even if like you could, you know, let's say we could tap into, like, you know, we could get maybe a third of the burgers that were available to swap out a third of the meat for oh. more of a plant-based solution. The impact would be incredible, yeah, uh, you know, on, you know, what it takes in, in meat production and, you know, it's less, fewer animals we have to kill, et cetera. Right. So you're exactly right, Josh. So it's kind of like improving fuel efficiency across the fleet, right? Mm -hmm. So no, you're like, you're not getting rid of gasoline, but you're dramatically reducing the amount of gasoline that you need to use across the entire national fleet of cars because you're improving the fuel efficiency. You can do the same by blending here, by enhancing meat and giving meat, uh, giving people better meat. So, you know, meat that is solely an of animal origin is inferior to meat that is enhanced 
with these plant proteins because we're giving you the best of both worlds. You're getting, yeah, that protein that you want, but you're also getting the fiber that you need because animal meat has no fiber in it whatsoever. Yeah, and, right. you know, every, and almost everybody you meet is fiber deficient. More than 90% of Americans don't get enough fiber. That leads to all types of problems, not just constipation, but colon cancer and so many other problems that are really serious. Well, if people aren't going to eat fruits and vegetables more, which we should, of course, but why not put some of that healthy um, alternative plant protein and plant fiber into the meat and give people a better enhanced meat product. So that's what we're seeking to do here. And people love it. You know, Purdue Farms, the major chicken company, utilizes our ingredients in their chicken nuggets so they can use fewer chickens and have a product that gives a quarter cup of vegetable servings per serving uh, of uh, chicken nuggets. So, you know, if you have a hard time getting your kids to eat their veggies, the Purdue Chicken Press product has that veggies in there and the kids can't see or tell the difference in any way. In right. fact, food... Food Network named that that chicken plus nugget, the Purdue chicken plus nugget, the single best tasting frozen chicken nugget in America. And it's only half chicken. It's 50% plant-based, huh. 50% chicken. That's incredible. So, well, and that was the other question, of course, is, you know, is there, um, you know, I, I, and I would imagine, I mean, this is obviously something you can experiment with in the kitchen. It's like, you know, how much of it can we swap out before? Yeah, I'm starting to, you know, there's starting to be a noticeable difference here, taste-wise or texture-wise, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So, you know, traditionally speaking, if you're using individual ingredients, that that number really uh, uh, tops out at around five to 10 percent inclusion rate. But with better meat co-ingredients, you can actually use up to 30 to 50 percent, depending on the application. So you can have a much bigger impact on reducing cholesterol, reducing saturated fat, reducing total calories while creating a more sustainable product and a product, Josh, that just tastes better. And that's just the reality of it. It just tastes better. Now, there's lots of ways to create meat without animals. Uh, so, you know, what we're doing through microbial fermentation here at the Better Meat Co. is one way. Uh, others are making meat from actual animal cells, and they're growing real animal meat, not alternative, but real animal meat. So I wrote a book on this topic. It's called Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner and the World. And in that book, we explore the race that the investors and the entrepreneurs and the scientists no are racing to bring to the world the first ever slaughter-free meat. And it really is a race. And now there's hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, five years ago, there were essentially almost no companies. You could count on one hand the number of companies and startups in this space where entrepreneurs were trying to commercialize this type of slaughter-free real animal meat. Today, like I, I don't, maybe it's not a good term, but lab-grown, is that what we're referring to? <laughs> Yeah. So they, exactly. they, yeah, sorry, yeah, it sounds yeah. a little Frankenstein-y <laughs> when I say that term, but I like the way that you said it better. <laughs> slaughter-free yeah. meat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It is slaughter-free meat, but you know the uh, entrepreneurs in that space they call it cultivated meat. Um, that's Cult what they're okay, doing. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're just cultivating meat. Uh, they're growing real meat from animal cells, and you wow. know this space now has had hundreds of millions of dollars pumped into it, and there's more than sixty startups that have been founded in just the last few years yep. to try to commercialize this product. Because we know that we cannot sustainably feed the world raising billions and billions of animals, and most people don't even want to. You know, as you correctly pointed out, Josh, many people would be happy if we didn't have to kill animals for food. Yeah, I mean, I don't need an know, animal. Like, I, I love a delicious burger. I would prefer an animal didn't die for it. Um, exactly. You know, do I want a, a, a black bean burger? Well, it's kind of different. I, I, yes. I prefer the you know the the meat version. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly how most people feel. It's yeah. kind of in the same way. You go back to the light analogy. When you click on that light switch, you want the experience of an illuminated room. You're not so much saying, oh, I'm so glad that I'm burning fossil fuels to get this. Yeah. In fact, if you could get it from renewable, you'd be quite pleased. The same is so with meat. Most people eat meat not because animals were slaughtered for it, but really in spite of that fact. And a lot of people, maybe not all, but a lot of people would be very psyched if they could get that same experience without having to torment animals in the process. Wow. Um, in terms of like, how would that, how would this impact? Now, and, and again, I know that this is a new and emerging solution, industry, et cetera. So this will improve in time. Um, but how does this impact total cost outlay uh, for like, say, you know, Purdue to produce a bag of chicken nuggets? What is there? Uh, is it more expensive than for the consumer, more expensive for Purdue? Yeah, so uh, the short answer first on Purdue is that Purdue Chicken Plus is sold for the same price per bag as their conventional chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. the, long, the longer answer is, you know, Better Meat Co. products right now, frankly, are cost competitive with beef. We're not yet really cost competitive with chicken. Chicken is the cheapest meat out there, really. Mm -hmm. But we have a lot more. We have a long way to go. But we are cost, cost competitive with beef. And the prices for these products are coming down. There's kind of like a Moore's Law type effect yes. that is happening here where, you know, these products were really expensive, generally sold at maybe like two or three times the cost of meat, like not 20 or 30 percent, but 200 or 300 percent the cost of meat. But now they're really coming down. In fact, you know. Uh, I was at Burger King just the other day and I noticed the um, Impossible Whopper, which is mm -hmm. compared to the regular Whopper, it, it wasn't that much off. I think it was like less than a dollar difference between the right. two. So the the, the price uh, gap is is narrowing and eventually these animal-free meats will actually be cheaper. Just in the same way, it took a long time for solar to become less expensive than right. fossil fuels, but now, now that has, has happened. You know, we have a uh, you know we have a little bit of a ways to go in the animal free protein sector, but we're getting there. Yeah. Um, so, Paul, in terms of like your background, how you got into this, and how you started uh, this company, what's what's that story? Sure. Well, uh, I grew up, Josh, loving animals. I didn't <laughs> want to hurt them, and when I learned about what happened to them, I became very concerned. I want, yeah, it's uh, tough, man. It's yeah. it really, yeah. you know, and again, I, I still consider myself an omnivore, but not without just a tinge of guilt, you know, and right. I, and I, what I'm, what I am hoping for is I'm hoping that technology and science will continue to improve so that we can be in a future where, you know, we just don't have these enormous factory farms and the conditions and, you know, yeah. the ethical issues there. Um, it, it, I'm excited for that future, better living to, through technology, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, so I agree. In fact, I mean, that's what I wrote about in my book, Queen Meat, is how technology can actually solve this ethical quandary for us. Because many people, Josh, are in your shoes. Yeah. They don't like what we're doing to animals, but they also don't want to necessarily stop eating meat. And so the question is, like, can we divorce meat production from livestock rearing? And that is a question that has really animated my life and my career. And so to answer your question, you know, I became very concerned about what's happening. I will not burden our, our listeners here with mm -hmm. the details about what happens to animals in slaughter plants and factory right. farms. But I'll just suffice to say that, you know, future generations, I think, will look back very unkindly on what we did to animals in our era, especially animals we raised for food, because we treat them worse than we treat the most heinous criminals. You know, the, we don't take murderers and rapists and subject them to the type of inhumanities that we subject farm animals to. And these animals have committed no crime at all. So it became a, a real concern for me. And I started wondering, you know, it, it's so easy for us to look back 
on our ancestors and past generations and think, oh, how could they ever believe the, the things that they believed? How could they ever done the things that they yes. did? Well, what are, you know, I think our descendants will be looking back on us and they're going to be thinking, I cannot believe that they so casually subjected so many animals to such torturous conditions. So that led me to really wonder, like, how can we uh, get a handle on this problem? The problem is that most people, uh, facts and evidence don't really change humans' behavior. Most of the time, human behavior has changed for other reasons. And so uh, I'll give you an example, Josh. If, if you go back to the 19th century, you know, we were all lighting our homes with whale oil. There are lots of concerns about the sustainability of whaling and whether we would render these beasts extinct. Well, you know, what ended up liberating whales from harpoons was not uh, any type of sustainability concern. It was an entrepreneur named Abraham Gesner who patented kerosene. And the invention of kerosene ended up freeing whales because it was a cheaper, more efficient way to light our homes. And kerosene decimated the whaling industry. Uh, you know, similarly, we used to live pluck geese for their quills. In fact, Thomas Jefferson had an entire flock of geese for the sole purpose of live plucking quills because he needed so many quills to write all the things, that he, all the letters that he was writing. Well, nobody stopped doing this because they thought oh, it was cruel to geese. They stopped because the fountain pen was invented and it rendered this practice obsolete. Well, the same thing I think can happen here, that technology, as you correctly point out, Josh, is going to enable us to uh, liberate uh, ourselves and animals from the practices that we have been engaged in uh, because it'll just render the factory farming system totally obsolete and we'll yeah. be able to produce meat without the need to have all these animals. Yeah, that's incredible. And then, um, so your role then in terms of like the company is to position yourself to work with all the retail-based products um, that are out there. And and how is that process right now? Like how have you, I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of relationship building, right? Yeah, that's right, Josh. So, you know, they say like, you know, when you start your own company that you <laughs> will sleep, you'll sleep like a baby because you'll wake up every two hours and cry. So that is, you know, <laughs> that is like, you know, that is my role, wake up every two hours and cry. But, you know, a big part of it, certainly not the only part, but a big part of my role in, in running the Better Miko and uh, being a, a, you know, the, the co-founder of the company is essentially to build relationships with food companies who want to reduce their own footprint on the planet and make healthier, more delicious products. And so that involves talking with a lot of the biggest food players, both in the meat space and in the alternative meat space to see how can we work together to do something really great for the world? Now, our goal was to make the planet look different from space. Right now, the number one cause of deforestation on the planet is creating grazing land for cattle for beef industry or crops to feed all those farm animals. And so yeah. if we could reduce our reliance on animals, we could really reforest a large portion of the planet, making it look different from space, making it look greener from space. And that's our goal. We're not going to do that as a little tiny startup on our own. We're going to do that by partnering with huge food companies and letting them utilize our technology so that they can help reduce their own footprint on the planet. Wow. This is really, really cool, Paul. I'm so glad that we got connected and I'm thrilled to support you in this. Uh, and so um, in terms of like, how can someone who's listening to this, how can we help? What can we do? Like, how can we help you continue to grow, uh, you, you know, get, get into more products? 
Sure. Well, first, I'm honored, Josh. Thank you so much. Uh, second, so if you want to learn more about the space, uh, you know, it's self-serving, but I do recommend reading my book, Queen Meat. I think it's a good primer on the space. It's an easy, breezy read. Um, so you can buy that anywhere where books are sold. Uh, however, in addition to that, visit us at bettermeat.co and get in touch with us because if you work in the food industry or your friends or family with people who work in the food industry, we want to work with you. We want to uh, talk with you about how we can help make better meat products for you. So get in touch with us uh, through our website and let's see what we can do together to help build a more sustainable food future for humanity. That's fantastic. All right. So Paul Shapiro, CEO, The Better Meat Company, and you're found on the web at bettermeat.co. Paul, thank you so much for this. Josh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. And we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.